new CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Time to set it up! New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got him. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast, the original podcast that made us famous. Did it make us famous? Infamous. Infamous. We are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. The fridge at the corner of Claflin and Westport. It's Claflin Avenue and Westport Drive. I honestly, at this point, I, I confuse myself. I, I just made it. I got it right, and you didn't even go... Good job, little Timmy. That's because I had to think through it like Wait. four times. Did you just say Avenue? Yeah, it's not Claflin Avenue. It's not Avenue. It's Road. Yeah, It's Claflin Avenue and Sline. I'm going to forever get that wrong. <laughs> You've lived here for how long? <laughs> well, but you don't, the sign never really, you never really read the sign that says Road or Avenue. You just. Just Claflin. Just Claflin. Tom Martin, our voiceover guy, I forgot to give him phonetic pronunciation of Claflin. So I had to cut that out of part of one of his reads for the Tannehill and Spiller podcast. Okay. That's hilarious. And I forgot to tell him it's Monty, not Monte. So I got to take out part of his A. So it's Monte. Gets it close. I noticed it on the first time he had recorded it. Or like it. Yeah. This one was different. Yeah. I just figured he re-recorded it. We we did do a re-record, but I still forgot to tell him. Yeah, Monte. That's, oh, that's how I roll. Goodness. Monte should be his name. I'm going to start calling him that. I mean, if you just said it really fast, Monte. Monte. Just don't put so much emphasis on the Tay. Riley Gates to my right. Zach Carlson. <laughs> just added more A's. <laughs> Zach. I'm like, how, how is this going to go? <laughs> he actually got my last name right on the head. <laughs> oh, we are recording this in a morning of the week, of the off week, so we can have some more off week as we pile up our work and then move on to other things. Riley and Zach are both leaving town. They're leaving me behind. Where are you going? To a funeral? Oh, I thought that was tomorrow. Yeah, I'm leaving. Oh, I tonight. thought it was, I thought it was here. Ah, this is awkward. Yeah, it was very polite of his grandfather to plan this during the off. Week. I know. <laughs> Done. Rather, rather remarkable. Oh, my nephew turns 21 on Saturday. The world isn't ready for another drinking age, Fitzgerald. Is he party hardy? Nah, he's a good kid, unlike his uncle. Uh, the first half of this very groggy podcast is brought to you by Tanners, now run by Charlie. Get in to see Charlie and his soon-to-be-named assistant general manager. I don't know who that'll be. You want to be assistant general manager of a Tanners? The job is open. Does it pay more? Uh, janitor pays more than your job. <laughs> 
Which is kind of ironic because you clean up my crap all day long. I'd get I'd get I'd get weekends more off probably. I don't know. Dirt, more, more dirt off, doesn't dirt uh, doesn't know a day. Yeah, at a bar you probably if you're the janitor at a bar you probably work every weekend. Well, I'm saying if you were the janitor you wouldn't be working from 11 a.m. to midnight when they close or whatever. You'd probably work at four in the morning. Well, I get up pretty early. You say groggy. I'm I've been up for five hours. So lame. Yeah. Oh, I'm a morning person. I hate people like you. Gotta wake up somehow. Uh, this is how I do it. Massive amounts of caffeine <laughs> and regrets. It's your questions from Wabash Station. I have cut half of what we talked about here in the open out of this podcast. So if you thought the open was bad, no, it isn't. It was worse. Zach, take over. From Autumn Cat, is it really just Knowles being out, or is there something else going on? The offense seems to have essentially gone dead on every aspect. Having Malik Knowles out is clearly hurting them. Make no secret about it. But let's not act like Malik Knowles was this lethal weapon. Before he went out, he had two touchdown passes against touchdown catches against Bowling Green. He made a nice kickoff return and maybe four catches, three catches at Mississippi State. He wasn't he wasn't Byron Pringle or something out there. He got targeted four times in those first two possessions. Caught one ball, had a blatant drop with horrible fundamentals that drove me insane. Um, and. Here's the thing that bothered me. I mentioned this on the Insiders. Skyler threw the ball to him in situations very similar to what the other receivers can have. It's not like Malik was so good he was wide open on those plays. He was covered. Just Skyler felt comfortable throwing it to him for whatever reason. Philip Brooks and you know Dalton Schoen are creating those types of spaces. I don't understand it. No, there's a lot more going on here. The offensive line's completely out of sync. They can't figure out how to block a three-man front. If I was an opposing defense, I would play a three-man front, even if we'd never run it before, because Kansas State apparently has been cursed to never figure this out. It has now gone from one coaching staff to another with completely different blocking philosophies, and they still cannot figure it out. And you would think that that would be almost easier to figure that out. But it's not. And it's frustrating. I don't like it. Yeah, I, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of moving parts. And I think it really comes down to one basic thing for me. I I don't want to say they're not playing hard because they're playing hard, but they're not playing nearly as focused and locked in as they were. You can watch... Mental mistake after mental mistake. On the offensive side, missing blocks or not getting to blocks or or the whole timing of the play is out of whack. On defense, over and over, bad angles of approach to ball carriers, missing assignments in terms of what gap you're supposed to be in or should be in. It's just frustrating to watch it because you've got freshmen making freshman mistakes and you've got seniors making freshman mistakes. they got to get their crap together uh, because I I know they've run into tough competition here with Oklahoma State and Baylor, but not as tough as they've made it look and a lot of this is self-inflicted This is the podcast debut of Fron Willie Welcome If we, uh, we lack depth at every position, when you look at the recruits we have verbals from, do you see a fix coming in the near future? Look, I I think that there's they've gotten some really nice commitments. I think that their their 2020 class has some talent in it. Yep. But I think that they added nice talent in their 2019 class late in the period and look what that's doing right now. Why are they why are their freshmen not making most freshmen not making a, an immediate impact because they're freshmen. Right. <laughs> like Tyrone Lewis is a physical freak. He is so big. He is large. I would not want to be hit by him. But he's not used to the college game yet. He's 18, 19 years old and has not played college football yet. Even a guy like Jonathan Alexander coming from junior college has not gotten on the field. All I mean, he's been on the field, but he has not been a, a crucial part of the defense yet. So, yeah, there's some talent in this class. 
you've got guys like Max on who, as of right now, still committed. A lot of raving reviews on, on offense. On defense, you've got some guys, Ronald Triplett, but they're freshmen. They're going to be freshmen, so I'm not putting stock into them yeah. yet. If you're looking for a quick fix with a recruiting class, that's not how this works. You're not going to get an immediate fix. And, you know, we joked about the last time a bunch of junior college players paid off in a recruiting class in college football was probably 1997 for Bill Snyder. I mean, he he kind of turned everyone on to getting junior college players, but also plucked, you know, most of the best players out of the JUCO ranks and plugged them into a team that competed for a national championship. Brian Hanley, our football analyst, is one of them. They are not going to go get a bunch of junior college guys to look for the quick fix. This staff is going to be in position for, you know, a solid four years. He's got a six-year contract. And the reason was he got that contract wasn't because he's Gene Taylor's buddy. It's because people that know that roster know that it needed a major rehaul because – rehaul? Overhaul because they just – have neglected the depth of this program over a number of seasons and it's been a slow erosion of the foundation of the program and there's no way to build it back up with one class or two classes. Riley said it. If you're going to recruit freshmen, you're going to get freshmen. They're, they're not ready to play. Some might be able to. Some might be able to plug holes. Look at how effective Tyler Lockett and Darren Sproles were as true freshmen. <laughs> they played. They were good but they had much better seasons on down the road. So it's always better to get that red shirt on them if you can. There's a lot of seniors on this team. That means they better have answers on the roster, the back uh, backups to come in and play, and they don't have all those answers. They're looking at tackles from the JUCO ranks to try to build up some depth there. They they need some more defensive tackles. They They just really have some holes on this roster that it was coming. It was coming fast for K-State football. A lot of you didn't want to see it. A lot of you did see it. But the trouble wasn't the fact that K-State went six wins and then five wins. It was that four wins, three wins, two wins was coming. The roster was falling apart through neglect of recruiting. Now, they're trying to get out there and recruit. But as Ryan Wallace pointed out in a a group text the other day, the staff is doing exactly what the last staff did. Now, they're getting better players. Don't get me wrong. And they're not taking a bunch of chances on guys that they're just essentially filling their class with, which the old staff started to do quite a bit of. You go back and look at the number of players that didn't pan out in those classes. It wasn't about the players that are on the team right now aren't good enough. It was about the players who never, ever made a contribution and left the program. They took up a spot in a recruiting class. You only get 25 spots a year, and if you lose eight of those guys, that means one-third of your class was useless. You might as well not even fill the scholarships. And that's what happened. They kept their scholarship numbers up by awarding walk-on after walk-on after walk-on scholarship. That's great if they really, truly deserve it and really, truly are Big 12 players. But they weren't getting them scholarships all the time because they were Big 12 players. They were getting scholarships because they were on the depth chart, which was Bill Snyder's criteria. Well, they were on the depth chart in some cases because the recruiting had stunk. The players they signed weren't good enough and left uh, for whatever reasons, academic, athletic, or personal. The, the, the roster was in big trouble. The best time to have a move would have been probably a couple years ago, but that didn't happen. And it was getting into a very dire situation. These are the consequences that we're seeing right now. Now, I'm not sitting here and blaming Bill Snyder for what's going on in Chris Kleiman's program. There's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there isn't a quick fix to recruiting. It's going to be one year at a time, and this might turn out to be a painful process. But I'm telling you, if they'd waited another year or two, you want painful process. It might have torn down everything that had been built up. Um, and it, the program might have been in big, big trouble. From KSU Cat 80, what has happened to Skyler's decision making? It seems to have disappeared. It was better in this game, I thought, a little bit. <clears throat> you know, wasn't bailing on, on that pocket so early. We saw that one play. Um, 
I mean, in. I don't know where it was. But it was early. Yeah, he stepped in there, and I think he found Dalton maybe. Mm-hmm. Dalton or Landry. So, I mean, he was a little bit more comfortable in this one, but still didn't appear to be all there. with. Uh, th- what I'm noticing right now with him is a lot of what we talked We talked about how it doesn't feel like the staff wants to run him. And additionally, it feels like he doesn't want to run yep. unless it's a designed run. There were at least two or three plays that I'm thinking of right now where he stood there, he waited for someone to get open, and he had a lane right up the middle that would have gotten a first down, and he passed on it. Um, you know, I don't know what the end result was of those plays, but you got to take those. And that, those were things that he took all the time uh, last year. So I'm not. Zach, I need some help here. The video you have of his head bouncing around pretty good and uh, ends up holding his head. We suspect he might have had a minor concussion from the video. Um, that was just on a rollout, right? And then he realized he had nothing to do but run. Yeah. And then he, he goes down, you know, kind of tries bailing out. And then he, he really, I'm kind of surprised that there was no flag for. He got hit know, in the head. Hit, hit to the head, late hit, targeting. I thought that that was more targeting than the, the other one. So, again, he's not being decisive. That play was a result of him, I'm going to roll out here, and I'm, I'm looking for a receiver, but I don't really want to throw it. You can see that process going through his head. It's like he's still so timid to throw an interception that he's not throwing any balls into tight situations. He does once in a while. But he's very cautious when he rolls out about where he throws the ball to the point where he doesn't even throw it away, which is the problem. He's forgotten that sometimes the best play a quarterback can make is to throw the ball into the stands. Just roll out, get rid of the ball, go play third down now. But instead, he kind of holds it, holds it, and doesn't run, doesn't throw, uh, then kind of goes out of bounds or gets sacked for a loss. Six sacks, half of them were because Skyler didn't get rid of the ball. I haven't looked at him. I didn't do them. I'm not going to go on a video search for the six sacks. But six sacks is not only because the offensive line stunk, which they weren't good. Skyler's just not being definitive in anything he's doing right now. He's got to step up in the pocket. He's got to trust his offensive linemen, even if they haven't deserved it. Um, there's just not enough trust going on. Look, they, they ran against uh, what I believe will be two NFL defensive linemen on that three-man front and Roy and Lynch, and, and they're really good. I mean, they couldn't move Roy out of the middle. And I blame the coaches. I don't think they schemed enough on blocking to uh, double-team him which they needed to do. They, Adam Holdruff could not handle him. Couldn't. It was like trying to push a, uh, a fire plug down the street. A fire, what is it? What? A fire, what's the? A fire hydrant? Fire hydrant. Fire plug. Fire hydrant. Push it down the street? Yeah. He couldn't move it. It was okay. just, yeah, Roy was just anchored in the middle of the defense and, he screwed everything up. I'm just – there's so many things that went wrong in that first game. Someone's responded. There were some good things in the game. Well, yeah, there were some good things in the game. They lost 31-12 to at home by giving up big play after big play and looking inept on offense. That's probably a D performance. From Daddy – from Danny Fab 1. Daddy Fab. Hi, Daddy Fab. What are the odds Skyler will become more involved as a runner? I just don't see it. I was really amazed. Chris Kleiman basically admitted it. When I asked him, are you trying to protect him? Yeah. We told him we wouldn't run him as much. Well, you know what, Coach? Everyone knows you don't want to run him now, and they're going to give you that. And they are. They're giving up the quarterback run, and K-State's not taking advantage of it. Look, I I think that Chris Kleiman, obviously, he acknowledged that it's clearly something that's holding him back right now. Um, I think... Chris Kleiman and Skyler Thompson both understand if he were to run the ball a little bit more, maybe some more things would open up. But if Skyler Thompson runs the ball more, now you're looking at Nick Ost and you're looking at Jaron Lewis. And I'm not saying John Holcomb was this great option. Uh, well, John Holcomb wasn't because you could let him throw. I mean, he right. could throw. He can throw the ball long ways, but he might overthrow a receiver by 30 yards. I wish I was joking. <laughs> um, 
I I don't know. Will we see Lewis in? You start what? using his four games. Why as do I a, feel like Jaron Lewis might play if Skyler went down? I do too. I think they're being cautious about his four games. Hold him off in case yeah. you need him. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him in certain situations as as a dual threat quarterback. I've never seen him play other than high school film. That doesn't mean that um, I don't want to make the assumption that he's a runner, but maybe they'd be more prone to use him in running situations. I just think they're so afraid of losing Skyler that I just don't see him integrating it into the offense all that big. Maybe one more run, two more runs. I, he's not going to carry the ball 16 times a game. He's just not going to do no, that. No, no, you don't want that, but you got to keep a defense honest. Yeah. you got to run him three, four, five times. You're not even running him like you ran your quarterbacks at North Dakota State. This is what I don't understand. You're not even running the offense that you touted to be bringing from North Dakota State. You're not using running backs. You're not using tight ends. You're not running your quarterback. There's no complexity to this offense. It has regressed. It is simple right now, uh, and it's probably pretty easy for opposing coaches to uh, scout. From T. Newman 41, are you concerned with the quarterback position? Yeah, because I have I acknowledge that K-State has some issues at receiver right now. I acknowledge that they need better play from the offensive line to allow Skyler to, you know, step in there and make some plays. But at what point, and I think someone pointed this out on the board, I apologize for forgetting who said it. Just steal it. At what point do we start to think and admit maybe he's just another guy? Maybe you don't have a dude at quarterback. Maybe you've just got a guy that's serviceable. My thing is, I, I'm tired of hearing about we didn't have guys open. Go back and watch. Go back and watch the number of open or attainable targets he has that he doesn't pull the trigger on. Skyler is into Skyler's head. Yeah. He's thinking instead of playing. And when you got to stop and think about, do I throw that pass or not, the answer becomes no because you just missed your moment. Or he's just not even thinking about throwing the ball. He's just kind of holding on to it. It's very strange to watch. Skyler's got to get out of Skyler's head. Skyler seems to be his own worst enemy. He really does. He let last year affect him, and now he's just not processing information at the rate at which a quarterback must do so at this level. From infected testicle, last question of the first half, KU scored more points against OU than K-State scored against Baylor. At what point do we start to seriously worry about losing to KU? I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. That's beautiful. Thank you. Sing me some more songs, Riley. Look, guys, I understand so, this has gone very south in two weeks. It is, it's not good what's happening right now. But at the beginning of the year, if you gave me if you gave me three and two, I don't really care where they come. Give me three and two on the first five. Wouldn't you have taken it? Absolutely. This is exact. Look. Maybe they should have lost to Mississippi State. I don't know. Like, if they had lost to Mississippi State and they were 2-3 and three right now, I don't even think people would be even more mad. I think people would just be like, hey, that's just, that's just who we are this year. Beating Mississippi State, yes, it changed expectations. It should change expectations to go in and get a win like that on the road because you show you can do it. However... They didn't beat Alabama. They didn't beat Auburn. They didn't beat Georgia. They beat one of the bottom-tier SEC teams. And honestly, I feel like they if they played them 10 times, they should beat them more than five times. This is going to be okay. K-State is just not the fourth-best team in the conference this year or the third-best team. They are the sixth, seventh, eighth-best team in this conference, and that's the sad reality of it. That's where they sit. They have not played eight and nine yet. They will beat KU. They will beat West Virginia. They are better than those teams. But we told you from the start, these were toss-up games. Baylor at Oklahoma State, these were the toss-up games that you thought they can win, but you don't know if they will win them. Right. TCU is the exact same way. So, yeah, I get it. It sucks. They're not playing well, and the offense doesn't seem like they can put a single point on the board if their life depended on it. But I've also seen that KU team give up 35 points to TCU in under 20 minutes. 
So a TCU team that struggled in the games before and after that. It's going to be okay. Just this is not don't, going to be nine and three. Don't get caught up in comparative scoring. That's a dead end road that takes you nowhere. So let's see what they do coming out of this off week. I don't know about you folks, but I think the TCU game is huge for this team. If they come back out and have another performance like Oklahoma State and Baylor, okay, I'm with you. It's time to worry. And it's not about the record for me. It's about this drastic turn, this southward turn in which they looked so good weeks one and two. They looked good enough to win on the road against an SEC team. The team we've seen from Kansas State right now isn't winning on the road anywhere. Yeah, worry about Kansas if you have to. But that doesn't mean by the time they play Kansas, that'll be the team that takes the field. If they go out against TCU and look completely ineffective on offense and give up big plays on defense, just like they've been doing, hit the panic button because they're going to get their butts whooped by Oklahoma. Oklahoma didn't give a rat's ass about that Kansas game. They slept walk through the first half, and they did just enough to lead at halftime, and then they won comfortably without putting in one bit of effort. I didn't see the participation chart, but I bet you Oklahoma played everyone that they could in that game. They didn't care. They were going to win that game with their backups. Kansas is so bad it just fired its offensive coordinator and promoted a guy who might be a great play caller, but one year ago he was the head coach at Bethel College in the NAIA Kansas Conference. Was he the head coach? Yes. Damn. I didn't know he was that high high up. I mean, he just made the jump from KCAC to Big 12 offensive coordinator. Maybe his stuff works. It sure seemed to work at Boston College when he was calling plays, and that was an NCAA violation, so they got caught on it, so they had to fire their offensive coordinator. Just give it time. Just you got to have a little bit of patience. You can look at each game and, and say, this stunk, this was bad, this wasn't good, but it doesn't mean you're giving up on the team. It means you want to see something different, and different better come against TCU, or you will be 0-4 in the Big 12. And that's not where you want to be. I know where you want to be. You want to be listening to the Powercat Podcast right after this break. I think that'd be a good idea. We'll be back. Stay locked in. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. women's national team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more. Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson in the WTC Gig Powered Studios with a tripod. Don't forget the tripod. Oh, that is the new yes. studio tripod, isn't it? Yeah, that's not ours. I mean, it's ours. Uh, that's it's not, not our, yeah. I, I look for a purple tripod for in here or like a silver one. Uh, I ended up with, I could have a black one, but I was afraid we'd lose it because there's so much dark stuff in here. Like, where's the tripod? It's right there. I don't see it. 
My choices kind of came down to blue and orange. Apparently, it's a Boise State tripod company. I don't know. Anyhow, how did I get on the tripod? A Boise State tripod company. Bronco tripods. We sell you the best tripods in blue and orange. Oh, no. I still would have been better. to see if broncotripods.com is available as a domain. (laughs) That still would have been a better tripod than the uh, sad excuse for that small purple one that we had to buy at the Texas Bowl. Yeah. That was a sad excuse for a tripod. That was not a sad excuse for a tripod. It's in our studio right now. Well, yeah, but we don't use it for anything else. It was a fine tripod. Zach's just a tripod elitist. He thinks tripods should stand up and not shake. <laughs> and I think you are asking too much of a tripod. <laughs> uh, I wish it would just do what it's intended to do. You think an offensive lineman should block all the time. I accept the fact that they do it half the time. Uh, Bronco tripod does exist. <laughs> Beautiful. Get into Bronco Tripod. Is it a tripod company? Well, they're scaffolding tripods, but they are tripods. That is amazing. Ask for Tex. We're sponsored by the fridge. Get into the fridge. They are like a tripod for your liver. Okay. It'll give you that boost you need. I feel like we should do, like, 1960s cigarette commercials, but... The alcohol version. Get into the fridge. It's refreshing. It'll clear your lungs. Oh. Get, get that cool minty flavor from Sambuca. I got to get into the fridge before I leave town. Got to load up. Big weekend ahead. Oktoberfest. Hayes, Kansas. I'll give you a fridge card. Oh? Yeah. You've been a good boy. <laughs> Ooh, I'll let you borrow a sounds fridge card. dangerous. And uh, I don't have a fridge card for you, the listener, <laughs> but I have some advice. Go to the high low. They get their alcohol from the fridge. You should too. I'm going to go to the high low and eat this week. We we are working ahead. It's an off week. I'm going to have a little downtime. I've got one story I'm going to write, but I got the podcast lined up. There's no pregame podcast. There's no postgame podcast. I'm going to go to the high low over lunchtime. Sit at the bar, talk to Seth, and have a beer with my pizza pie. You said you're leaving tonight. Yeah. Damn. I could have gone for lunch tomorrow. Let's do it, Riley. Let's have a mandate. I have lots of mandates. That's a mandate from your boss to have a mandate. Let's do it. (laughs) Wow. Boo. Boo this man. (laughs) We're now adding sound effects into this podcast. (laughs) They'd probably be more effective and funny than the ones I've been adding to the overtime lately. Here we go. Zach Carlson, your MC, with your questions from Wabash Station. How was that for a buildup? Go, Zach. Uh, first things, uh, I didn't say this at the top of the hour. Oh, the top of the, I don't know why Here I said top go. of the hour. The, the first half. Uh, Itain BB was the score prediction thread winner. He picked a score of 24 to 13, which was close enough. In favor of Baylor. Yeah, in favor of Baylor. That's pretty close, actually. Yeah. Touchdown and a extra point off. I guess. All right. Well, congrats on being level-headed and picking Baylor. Okay. Uh. So there, there, it was no great transgression to go for two when he went for two. But I'm a believer you don't go for two until you absolutely have to. So they had to score. I would have kicked the extra point there and then gone for two on your next touchdown. And here's why. I felt like by going for two and failing – you stop the momentum you got out of scoring your touchdown. That's fair. I think that's a, I think that's a valid point. You you left the field in defeat after a touchdown, and they came on the field as an opponent. They just gave up the touchdown, feeling good about themselves because they stopped the two point conversion. I don't think you go for two until you must math- mathematically go for two, and they could have delayed that one play, and it would have built up um, if you then have gotten yourself in a position where going for two can give you the lead or the tie or whatever you're working for there, 
then you have a real emotional edge on that two-point conversion. There's a real sense of urgency for your offense to do it, and there's a sense of dread on the defensive side. Oh, boy. And they have the security there of saying, okay, if we don't if we don't stop them here, we still got a lot of opportunities to stop them. They kind of could play relaxed and loose, and I don't know. That's I can just, get behind that. I think the chart at the time would have said go for two. Plus, to hell with the chart. Plus, you give if you go for two there, it gives you the maximum amount of times that you can go for two. And if you get it twice or whatever, it's still a two-possession game, or excuse me, a one-possession game where you can kick a field goal if you get them. So it's mathematically the least number of possessions. No. I think there's a lot to be said for that confidence thing, though. Yeah, I think that's what the chart doesn't get. I'll side with Fitz here. I, but, no, I think in this case, the, I mean, once you failed at the two-point conversion, then you couldn't go for two again. You had to have – I mean, they were down nine at that point. I don't know. I kind of they were trying it. to get – so they'd be down seven. I don't know. I just didn't. I kind of stopped paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I was writing. So let me get this right. I got a photographer, my video guys down there. I watched that punt. I didn't film it. And uh, I sound like Bill Clinton there. And um, then I got my writer. I wasn't paying attention. I was writing. (laughs) I mean, how many times do I use a punt highlight? Except this weekend. You did on the one that got (laughs) waved off. Well, because the hit was cool, even though it was between... Two players uh, from the same team. Check but. out this cool highlight. K-State players hurt each other, and there was a penalty. Hey, the they fly. missed a two-point conversion. That was one highlight I needed, man. I uh, <laughs> Damn, should have kicked the extra point. Uh, I need you two to be focused on game day so that I can enjoy more ice cream sandwiches. Because if they're going to keep putting Twix in that ice cream box, I'm going to be eating Twix ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> That's just the way I roll. Let's get to the questions. From Queso Cat. Are there any more details about why Holcomb decided to transfer all of a sudden? I mean, from everything we've gathered from coaches and everything, it came as a shock to them. So, look, someone pointed out that at Mississippi State he was sitting by himself on the bench. Like, they could see it from where they were sitting in Mississippi State. We obviously couldn't see it. I wasn't looking for John Holcomb. Something tells me, and this is just my guess, he was already getting sick of the fact that he was getting moved to different positions. He thinks he's a quarterback. His he's parents not. think he's a quarterback. And the and he might be at some school like McNeese for Daniel Sam's transfer there. But at Kansas State, in Courtney Messingham's offense, John Holcomb is not a quarterback. So he was already considering. I think there's a family belief he's an NFL quarterback. Yeesh. Yeesh. That he's being held back. And, you know, look. I, I can go to practice for five minutes and see you've got a long ways to go as a quarterback. And I don't even know – I from watching that, I can only watch skill set. I can't watch your ability to run the plays and know how to read your wristband and get people in alignment, which you failed miserably with the two times you got to play at Oklahoma State. I don't even grasp that. I can just simply watch you throw the ball and know you have no freaking idea where it's going. So he gets worked out at tight end. He gets worked out at receiver. Then Chris Kleiman gives him one chance to play quarterback at Oklahoma State. He botches every attempt he gets. Chris Kleiman then that next Tuesday comes in and says, that's unacceptable. That was the harshest comment I've heard him say since he got hired at K-State. And that was the final straw that you know, the straw that broke the camel's back on John Holcomb. So, Look, I truly believe he's an NFL caliber in terms of physical gifts tied in, maybe he doesn't want to block. Maybe he doesn't want to get hit. Maybe he can't catch a pass because he can't catch a snap. I don't know. But if you look at the physical attributes of the guys that are stars in the NFL, they're big, they're fast, they're great athletes. He's got all of those things. I mean, he could physically do it. I think it must be mental. Now, with all that said, young man, if you want to be a quarterback and you just you don't care where it's at, you just want to play quarterback because it brings you joy, God bless you, man. Go do it. If that means it's at the FCS level, the Division II level, NAIA, you're going to make a stop at junior college, go be the guy you want to be. Listen to your drumbeat. I'm good with that. I'm not going to sit here and say, bad kid, he's selfish by not changing positions. 
do, man, do what you want to do. Just, yeah. I mean, I I get tired of the fans that got to bring him back. No, man, he quit on his teammates. You, uh, people who say that obviously have never been in a team dynamic, or or they have been in lousy team dynamics. Once you quit on your team, you got to do a lot of earning to get it back, and. You don't just come back and then become the starter. You don't. It, it's not working that way. I did find it intriguing. He sat with the basketball team. Yes, he did. He was sat. He was sitting next to Sean Neal Williams. Any chance he walks on for the first semester? Just see how good. That would be amazing. <laughs> I would love that because he dunked the ball and went viral, and now he might think he's a basketball player. I think Kellis said this yesterday when he was leaving the office. It was like, oh, he's he's such a good quarterback. He dunked the ball in a pickup game. Yeah, that's. I, I love how fans what? do it. Oh, look at him dunk over that kid, <laughs> that chemistry major. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't. Not a big loss. Uh, it, it is. It is if he would have conformed to what the coaches right. want. But if he wants to be a quarterback, he was never going to be any more than a Wildcat quarterback at Kansas State. But he can't even be that if he can't catch a snap or if you don't know how to run the play or get the team aligned. That's what I meant. Yeah. Just go do, go do your thing. Be happy in life. That's important. From T. Newman 41, does this team lack player leadership? I don't think that's the problem. I think they have really good leadership. This is one of the weird things about this team. I just think they have a mixture of uh, talent lapses. and I think they got overconfident. Yeah, probably. I think they got overconfident and then went to Oklahoma State and got their teeth kicked in. And I suspect they realized that the game went on, oh, this team is clearly better than us. We don't have a running back like that. We don't have a receiver like that. We don't have a cornerback like that. We don't have, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have. And they got caught up in that. And then it just spiraled. And now they've gone up against Baylor. Oh, we don't have receivers like that. Oh, we don't have a nose tackle like that. Be who you are, man. Just like I just said, just go embrace what you are and make the best of it and believe in yourself. That goes for both John Holcomb and the Wildcats. They have quieter leadership in terms of they don't have a guy like Dalton Reisner standing in front of the cameras preaching whatever. But that doesn't always work. I think this is a little bit better this year. That doesn't always work as much as I love Dalton. Sometimes the preaching gets preachy and it it doesn't work on your teammates as well as you think it is. People told us that Wyatt Hubert stood up and made a speech post game Baylor, and I just I feel like that's the type of leader they need is Wyatt Hubert, who doesn't think, you know, he doesn't think that he he doesn't see himself as like, oh man, I gotta be the vocal leader and like I gotta everybody needs to listen to me, but he has some good things to say, and and I think that I think that was probably a good meeting. From Eric Black TV. What is more important to fix, executing the plays we've been running for the past two games or fixing the play calling? It's more on execution because I've thought that they have called some nice plays at times. People that were complaining about play calling in the Oklahoma State game were, I'm sorry, you were dead wrong. They they were calling good plays. It wasn't bad play calling. It was horrible execution. Baylor was a little different. I'm more on the execution side because we've seen them execute these plays, and now for some reason they're not. But I'm also starting to get a little bit, I don't, fed up's the wrong word, but a word relating to fed up with with Courtney Messingham's play calling right now. It's not great. I don't time. notice the same kind of personnel substituting, formation shifting. It's conservative, man. It's gotten to be. They pulled the horns in a lot. I thought they would diversify. I've heard a lot about this three running back set. Now, granted, right now, Brown's injured. But, oh, man, I'm I'm just baffled by what's going on. There's a We're all looking for the magic bullet or the magic loogie, if you love Seinfeld. We're all look, trying to figure this out. That's it. We solved it. It's a lot of things here. A lot of things. It's not just an oil change. 
make the car run better. There's a lot of things going on under the hood right now. Well, and not to throw James Gilbert under the bus, but he, you know, he said back to back weeks now, we've got a whole lot of stuff we haven't even shown yet. We've got all this these exactly. cool play, and he's not saying that because he thinks that and wants to say it. he's saying that because Courtney Messingham or Chris Kleiman in practices sitting there saying, you know, hey, got you know, we got this going on, you know, whatever. We 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 have these. We haven't even unleashed this yet. Players in press conferences say what they hear from their coaches. So coaches are saying this to the players, man, we've got all these cool plays we haven't even run yet. Well, run them because you're three and two. From Wildcat Wabash, is the TCU game a make or break for this team getting to a bowl game? Right now it feels that way. It's going to take a lot of confidence out of them if they lose. Like I said, mathematically, no. I mean, there's still enough. They need three more wins. I think on a neutral field... On most days, they're better than KU West Virginia Tech. They've got West Virginia and Manhattan, the other two on the road. They won at Mississippi State. I will tell you this. Mississippi State's a better team than Kansas West Virginia Tech. So mathematically, no. But when you come down to the mentality of the team, you lose to TCU. You get your feelings hurt by Oklahoma. You're 0-4 in the Big 12. You've gone from... 3 and 0 to 3 and 4 It's difficult. You got to rise up at that point. You still got to go to Texas. You know you're going to probably get your feelings hurt there too. And it just makes you feel a lot more confident because like Texas Tech, yeah, I think they're a better team than Texas Tech. But it's in Lubbock. Texas Tech just put on a good performance in Lubbock. You just you know, it's it's true that every game is independent of itself, and you just never know which team is going to show up. TCU might show up with the same team that beat KU by 9 million points, and they also might show up with the team that played SMU this year. So I, I just – getting TCU would make you feel a lot more confident about making that bowl game. From Fervent Purple, there's been a lot of talk about Coach not going for it on fourth down. On our scoring half of the field, gun to your head, would you trust the team right now to move the sticks on fourth and five? Personally, I'd have a hard time making that call on fourth and one. That's fair. It's a valid point, but you're uh, down by 20. I, I see both sides of that. But you're down by 20 or you're down by whatever. You need points. It's getting late. You're running out of possessions. The The Bigger concern, instead of being able to execute on the one play, is if we don't go for it, we're saying we have to execute on an entirely new drive. We have to execute another drive to get us to this position we're in right now. Can we even do that? Do we have a better chance of picking up this fourth and five or punting the ball and having to replicate everything we've done on this drive to get to this fourth and five? I think the answer to that is you better have a play call on fourth and five that you feel like you can get five yards. Zach and I kind of, I don't want to say argued on it, disagreed on this. They had fisticuffs. Because <laughs> it was... Like old boxy style where they were pumping their fists up and down. Up like mustaches. The, yes, it was amazing to watch. The field goal cut it cut it to, what was it? Third, it was I forget what the numbers 17, were. 17-6, six, right? Okay. And I understand, so Zach said, you know, you kicked a field goal... Then you give it's a two score game, or you know, eleven points. I get it. It's it's you cut down on the margin. Then you only have to do X, Y, and Z on the next two possessions. However, and for the same exact reason that the, you know the question said, I don't know if I trust them to get fourth and five or even fourth and one. That's fair. However, I don't know if I trust them to go put two touchdowns on the board after that. Absolutely not. So I think getting a fourth and five. Look at this point. At that point in the game, with everything that was happening, I think you throw mathematics. I think you throw the play card, situation card, whatever. Throw it all out the window. Because it doesn't take into account for the fact that you have sucked today. That you can't run the ball today. That you don't have your best receiver today. None of that is accounted for. I'm telling you what, it... If you don't think you can make a fourth and five, if you don't have the confidence in that, that we can attain this and turn this into a touchdown by picking up a first down, you've lost lost the game. I mean, Ron Prince was the master of trying to manage the margin of defeat. 
Let's not be the school that manages the margin of defeat. Been there, done that. Last question of the podcast from Adam K 63 As much as it hurt to have the break the first time around, is it good to have a bye week this time? I think they need it right now. No, they, they need it. And, but that doesn't mean they won't need it later. They, right. You know, they're going to rattle off seven weeks in a row of Big 12 football. Good luck, that guys. Sucks. That sucks. Good luck. Um, there's no doubt they'll need it. Here's the thing, folks. Uh, you really need to understand this. They're already in dire situations with a few injuries. Wait until they play four weeks in a row in the Big 12. They will be digging into the roster quite a bit. There isn't a roster of great depth. I'm, I'm very concerned. If they stay healthy, they can get to a bowl game. But, man, what if they have a few injuries in that offensive line, defensive line, to lose another linebacker? They lose a safety. Well, that might be good. They lose a cornerback. I didn't mean that. I just think, you know, you could get into situations now where you're playing guys that there was a reason why they were the backup. Was that the last thing? Okay. Let me go into announcer voice now. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Powercat Questions Podcast. We appreciate your questions. You brought the lumber this week. We needed some lumber. You did such a good job. We're going to reward you with the second podcast tomorrow. And where the pregame podcast should be will be a whole nother questions podcast. And it won't be as long as the other podcasts we typically do, but the second half of that podcast will be basketball questions. All hoops in the second half of the Thursday questions podcast, a bonus podcast again, since it is an off week and you've been good boys and girls. As far as we know, except for Adam K63, we know he's not good. You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.